Let's look for that tomorrow, right? I'm expecting some testimonies next week of what God's doing. Let's go to the Word of the Lord tonight. Let's finish our study in the book of Haggai. You'll remember last week we began this study in the book of Haggai, and it was all about rebuilding the temple. Judah was uh, allowed to leave Babylon after 70 years of captivity. A number of people went back to Jerusalem after they had been in exile for 70 years. God had punished them for their lack of obedience. I think they learned their lesson and they went back (laughs) and uh, they were to rebuild the temple so that the presence of the Lord would be in their midst. Isn't that what you would want? I want to be secure. I want God in my midst. And so they began that work, but it fizzled out. They got discouraged and they took care of themselves. And so they began building their own houses instead of the Lord's. And he said, why should you have paneling in your house and mine's in ruins? And so you'll remember that study. And it's about putting first things first. It's about putting God's presence first in your life before you attend to anything else. And of course, that speaks of our salvation first. We get saved. And it also means obeying the Lord before we obey any other craving or desire of our own. And so we saw that last week. This week, we're going to finish up the study and start at Haggai chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 10 to 14. But if you will, I'm going to read out of the Message Bible, okay? Uh, It's a paraphrase um, because I just want to make it really simple for you. And so in a paraphrase, sometimes we use those just to get the simplicity of the message. They're not deep study Bibles, but they help us sometimes understand. So out of the Message Bible, Haggai chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. On the 24th day of the ninth month, again, this was in the second year of Darius, God's message came to Haggai. God of the angel armies speaks. Consult the priests for a ruling. If someone carries a piece of sacred meat in his pocket, meat that is set apart for sacrifice on the altar, and the pocket touches a loaf of bread, a dish of stew, a bottle of wine or oil, or any other food, will these foods be made holy by such contact? The priests said, no. Then Haggai said, how about someone who's contaminated by touching a corpse? If that person touches one of these foods, will it be contaminated? The priest said, well, yes, it will be contaminated. Then Haggai said, so this people is contaminated. Their nation is contaminated. Everything they do is contaminated. Whatever they do for me is contaminated. God says so. Yeah. All right, so the Lord is using a parable here. And he's saying that if you were to take the sacrifice that's going to be offered on the altar of God, it is the sacrifice to atone for sin, it is a holy sacrifice without blemish, and if it happens to touch a loaf of bread, or some stew, or a glass of wine, it's holy. If it touches the bread, will it make the bread clean food? No, it it, it won't. Holiness is not transferred from one thing to another. If something's unclean, it remains unclean, uh, even though uh, you could touch it with the sacrifice. Uh, A priest could touch it. Someone could breathe on it. It's still unclean. That's the point. 
Okay? Holiness is not transferred by touching something. Then he says, what about contamination? What if you contaminate, if you touch a dead body and then you touch that loaf of bread, will the loaf of bread become contaminated? Yes, sin does transfer. (laughs) Uncleanness does transfer. And he says, that's the thing with my people. So what's the point of this? What's the point of this parable? He said, what he's pointing out is just because you rebuilt me a temple doesn't make you holy. Just because you go to church doesn't make you right with God. Right? Just because you do religious things doesn't make you right with the Lord. So, you Israel, Judah, you rebuilt my temple. Wonderful. Thank you. I needed you to do that. But that doesn't make you clean. You need to get yourself clean before God. And so there are things that you and I do thinking we earn brownie points with God. We think that if we act and obey and struggle and sacrifice for God, we get closer from Him to Him and we get more put in our account for goodiness. We think if we put something on us, maybe some holy water, maybe some communion, maybe someone prays for us, that some of that will rub off on us and we'll be right before God because of those things. And that's what God's saying, that is not so. There's only one source for holiness or righteousness. There's only one remedy for sin. We can contaminate each other. We touch this world, and if this world gets in us, we get unclean. Sin is transferable. We get in it, we agree with it, and uncleanness just spreads, doesn't it? But holiness does not spread by contact or touch. There's only one way to get clean from sin. Does anybody happen to know the one remedy for sin? Jesus, the right sacrifice, the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So you can build a temple, you can build a church. But unless you're covered by the blood of Christ, you are unclean. You can give all your money to the church, to the kingdom of God. But if you're not washed in the blood of Christ Jesus, you're unclean. And that's what he's saying to to Judah. Folks, understand, you needed to build my temple so I could be in the presence of you, but just by building it, it doesn't invite me. You must invite me as you come to the altar for cleansing, for the sacrifice of sin. And so it is with us. Do you know how many people go to church? You know how many people call themselves Christians? Because they do Christian things, but they've never come by faith to the cross of Jesus Christ for their salvation. It is by Christ and Christ alone we are made whole. And I can't add anything to that. I don't become more righteous by the things I do for God. I do things for God because of what Christ gave me. So I'm given this righteousness through the faith I have by the grace of God giving His Son, Jesus Christ. There's only one source for holiness. There's only one source that will clean the people of God. It is the blood of Jesus. 
who is the sacrifice. And so that's what he's teaching Judah. Good, you built the temple. Good. But what takes place at that temple is the offering of the blood to cleanse you from your sin. And so Israel, Judah, got caught up in that, didn't they? Got caught up in the law. If they would keep the law, if they would keep the ceremonial things, if they would be circumcised, if they would offer their sacrifice. But obedience is better than sacrifice. How many of you remember King Saul? He offered thousands of cattle and thousands of goats and rams to God, but he did it in disobedience. And that's when Samuel said, Oh, Saul, Saul, you should not have sacrificed these things. You're not the priest. He did it in a rebellious spirit. Hey, it was all good, holy, religious stuff. But an unclean heart, right? So I don't know if there's anybody here tonight that has done many religious things. You've been obedient to the religious articles. You've you memorized maybe some Scripture. You've taken communion. You've been baptized. And, and you've learned different Christian phrases. But you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you're still unclean. It's only by faith in what Christ did on the cross that we are saved. And so that's the lesson. Now, there's only one source for this holiness or this right standing with God, and it's through the Messiah. And that's what Haggai does now in his final lesson. He speaks of the promise of what is to come, the glory that's going to come back to Judah. Because remember, the situation they're in, Israel was already scattered to the wind. Israel's gone. God divorced her. And Assyria came and took the northern ten tribes. No one knows where they are. You can't find them today. All that's left is the remnant of Judah. But Judah continued in disobedience till finally God had to spank them and send them to Babylon. And after 70 years, God brought them back. And they began to take care of themselves instead of God's house. And he said, build the house. They built the house. And he says, but you're still unclean. Get right with the house. So they get right with the house. But here's the thing. Here's the problem. Judah and its king was cursed before they went into Babylon. And so the question is, is God ever going to restore Judah again? We rebuilt the temple. Is there any hope for us? It's a question you can have. You come to Jesus as a Savior. I mean, as your Savior, you're a sinner. Is there any hope for you? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. And that's our redemptive God. And God has a resounding yes to Judah. And so we look at this. And he says this in Haggai 2, verse 23. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shiltiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. And he gives all this promise that your crops are going to grow again, your agriculture is going to grow, your cattle are going to grow, you're going to be rewarded again, the vine will grow. They had to be broken. And they came to a place where God now gives them a promise. God will do that in your life. God has to break us. He spoke tonight about putting dead things away. He spoke tonight about getting rid of the things you love that are hindering you from Him. And sometimes He has to crush us so that He can give us a promise of something greater.
Now he said, I'm promising you, I'm making you, Zerubbabel, a signet ring. Now what's a signet ring? It's an interesting thing. This is an ancient ring that shows you what a signet is. A signet is a seal. Now what they would do is, if you'll see on that image there, is a carved out reverse image on that signet right there. And what they would do is they would melt wax on a letter or something that they were to close, and then they would take that ring and press it into the wax to leave an impression, an emblem. And that's the signet of the one who owns that ring. And so what God says is Zerubbabel, he was the, he was the king of Judah at that time, now that they're back in the land, and he says, Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you my signet ring once again. That's hope, isn't it? So now we've got a king in Judah again. The Lord's signet ring. I'm going to make you like a signet ring. But there's really a problem here. There's only one problem. God had put a curse on the line of Judah. The problem is that in Jeremiah 22, it's on your outline, verse 23 to 24, the Lord said this, As I live, declares the Lord, though Coniah the son of Jeconiah, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those whom you are afraid, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. So when he says to Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you like my signet ring, they remember what God did with the signet ring before they went to Babylon. King Jeconiah was the king of Judah, and what did he say about that ring? Take it off and throw it away. The authority of Judah as a signet ring, the seal of God's power in the earth, was cast away. Now, he didn't stop there with Jeconiah. He's also known as Jehoiakim, or Jeconiah, either one. He then went on to curse Jeconiah and said that there will be no king from your line that will ever sit upon Judah from your seed. He cursed the line of Judah. Okay, so... How can the line of Judah be cursed because of Jehoiakim or Jeconiah? And yet he says to Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you my signet ring. Or that Judah once again will have my seal of approval as their king. This is going to be tricky because he, maybe he forgot. God's getting old. And, and maybe he forgot that, that he cursed the, the line of Judah and threw away the ring. Now he's saying to Zerubbabel, I'm going to give you the ring and you're going to be king. How can he contradict himself? And here's the key to it. This is a prophetic declaration. When he's saying Zerubbabel, he's saying to the king that is coming. There's a king coming that is going to bring 
all the benefits that God promises in Haggai. That the vine will be fruitful. The nations will come to him. If you read the end of Haggai, you'll see. And he says he's going to crush all the nations. All the nations will come to him. He will rule them all and he will be the signet ring. He uses the name Zerubbabel, but what he means is the king. The Messiah who is coming is going to be that signet ring. But how can Messiah come through the line of Judah when the line of Judah has been cursed? And when you look at the book of Matthew and look at the book of Luke, you will see the name of, of Solomon and David and you'll go through and you'll see the name Jeconiah and you'll see the name Zerubbabel and you'll see it all go all the way down to the line of Jesus. But how can Jesus be king if the line of Judah is cursed? Well, God did something miraculous. It's called the virgin birth. Mary, who is of the line of David, not from the cursed side. Joseph was from the line of David, but from Jehoiakim's line, and he was cursed. So, Because of the virgin birth, Jesus was not of the seed of human origin, but of God. And so he was the son of David, but through the adoption of of his father, Joseph, he was the rightful heir, but he bypassed the curse. And therefore, He's the signet ring of God. Amen? Amen. So He is the only one who could rightfully be the King of Judah, the Lion of Judah, because anyone born of that seed was cursed, but God bypassed the curse, being born of the seed of David, but not of Jeconiah, and so He is rightfully King of Judah. The Lion of the tribe of Judah And he rules and reigns. And he is the seal, the emblem, the image of the invisible God. And this is the promise. And this is the promise that makes you and I now holy. Not because we do religious things. Not because we come to a church. Not because we've built special furniture or have certain religious rites. But because of the signet ring of God, because of the blood of Jesus our Messiah, He has made us clean. Let me close with this. There's a seal that the high priest wore on his forehead. In the Old Testament... We talk about being sealed by God, and that seal is in the forehead. It says in the book of Revelation that 144,000 will be sealed, and the Lord's name will be on their head. The mark of the beast is a seal of those who will follow after the mark of the beast on their forehead or on their hand. And so there is a seal that is a marking, that is a declaration of holiness, And in the Old Testament, the high priest wore a gold emblem across his head, and it said, in Hebrew, holiness to God. When Aaron was anointed by the oil that poured down his head, it poured upon that declaration of holiness to the Lord. 
And the high priest was holy to God, and he was sealed with that holiness. Now, when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you were sealed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1.13 it says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You have a seal upon you. It's the signet ring of your Messiah, Jesus Christ. He took the signet ring, being Messiah and King of Judah, and He sealed upon you the holiness of God. You are right with God. You've been justified with God because of the blood of the Lamb. You are now holy unto God. And it doesn't matter about meat sacrificed to idols or about clean food or unclean food or a religious holiday or a new moon or a Sabbath or anything else. We're made clean and we're made holy by Christ Himself. Now we need to live in that holiness. We must not touch the unclean thing. You can't serve God and money. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You're kings and prophets and priests. You represent the holiness of God on earth. That's what we were called out tonight in the prophetic from. That we would be ready to be kings and priests and prophets to lay hands on the sick, to care and intercede for those who need help. We are that seal of God in the earth. We are the temple that was rebuilt. We're the temple of God. See, all these illustrations from the Old Testament pointed to Christ, which then now points to us. We've got to get hold of this, folks. We've got to start walking in our identity. Who we are and what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. We've got to get past this, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We've got to move into the kingdom's authority. We are sealed by the power of God. We are the holiness of God. We're the righteousness of God. And we're to go forth and bring the kingdom wherever we go. Amen? Amen. It's the message of Haggai. When the prophet was telling Judah to rebuild the temple so the presence of God was there, he was telling us prophetically to rebuild what's going on in here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God made you holy. Now build His presence in you. And it's not about religious things that you do. It's about being made clean by Him and having His seal on you. That seal is not a piece of wax. That seal is not a piece of gold on your head. That seal is not oil being poured on you. That seal is the very person of God Himself dwelling in us. The church is coming alive. The church is coming on fire, I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit is rising up in the people of God in these days. We're going to start putting away celebrity Christianity. We're done with it. We're done with celebrity pastors. Done with celebrity preachers. We have been caught 
up in a celebrity frenzy in the church. Half of the preaching we listen to is not church preaching, it's not biblical preaching, it is uh, uh, Colosseum preaching. It's preaching to make celebrities out of the preachers. Instead of forming us into the equipped body of Christ. So God is moving and you can see it happening. And you're that priesthood. So tonight, I want you to understand, you're sealed with the declaration holiness to God. Not because you're in this building, but because you're the temple. Amen? You're the pillar of truth in the earth. You're the light of the world. You're the temple of God. So let's bow our heads and let's ask God to ready us for the work he's called us to. Hallelujah. How amazing you are, God. How amazing you are. That you would cut off the line of Judah so no other man could be Messiah except the one born of a virgin. You made sure there could be no one else except Jesus our Lord. And God, nothing makes us clean apart from the blood of Jesus. And that blood is sufficient. Now that we have it, now that we are anointed with it, may we live unto holiness, righteousness. We no longer fear you, we adore you. Perfect your love in us now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there anybody here tonight that has, doesn't know the security of your salvation, doesn't know that...